we were tapped out. We, my husband and I, um, thought it was too much for our family. We already had five kids. One was newly adopted from Ethiopia. He didn't speak English. He'd only been home about a year and a half. And he was a 12-year-old little boy. So everything in our home looked different. When we got that call for kinship placement, we were not expecting it. We wrestled, we prayed. And to be honest with you, our yes actually came from childlike faith. It came from a family meeting where we sat together with all of our children and all five of them said yes to that adoption. And so where we lacked faith, our kids did not. And for us, it was a revelation. It was a defining moment in our family where the Bible came to life, where it says, have childlike faith, because we wondered all of the what ifs and the hows, and it it wrecked us. We were so unsure, but our kids had so much faith to believe we could do it again, and so we did. My name is Wendy Cross, and I am the co-founder and the executive director of X-Hope Incorporated, also known as X-Hope Missions. And here at X-Hope, our mission statement is to empower at-risk youth by providing hope, love, education, and a forever family. And what makes our organization incredibly unique is that we have both international and local programs to provide these services to children who are at risk. How did you envision starting something like this? What was the impetus of, you know what, I need to, I need to do something here or something is happening like within my soul that I need to do something and that something ended up being X-Hope. How did that come to, come to light? X-Hope was founded really on accident. Uh, my husband went on a mission trip to Ethiopia where his heart was really broken for the orphan He came home, and it led to an international adoption for he and I. And about a year and a half later, we also ended up adopting locally. And so because we had been through the experience of both international and local adoption, we recognized really early on in those processes that there are a lot of kids like ours waiting for forever families, and that we had a story to share and a story to tell that could impact our community and bring hope to children who were waiting. So then when you went to Uganda, did something click in you that you wanted to just continue working in that particular area? Or was it something that um, that you expected or didn't expect? Uh, how did that even land with with what you wanted to do versus maybe what God was telling you to do? Our international adoption was in Ethiopia. My husband went on a trip with a friend who was supporting a children's home in Ethiopia. And on that trip, they also visited a children's home in Uganda. And what they recognized is the home in Uganda still needed a ton of support. And so our family decided to come alongside Redeemer House in Uganda and mirror what Covenant Orphanage was doing in Ethiopia. And so we began supporting children through education. That was how my husband and I and our family first got involved. We selected 10 children and started paying their education. And following that journey, we realized that there was a lot of kids in the children's home that actually didn't have care orders and that the children's home was going to be shut down if we didn't do something about it. And so that's how Redeemer House became a part of X-Hope. Places like World Vision and Compassion International, they sponsor children or they help 
family-sponsored children, and that wasn't necessarily under the umbrella that you were at, but all of a sudden you you sort of became this, all right, we need to do something more than just send money to this organization. We need to step in and do something more. Um, does that sound the, like what happened with you as far as your conviction goes? Yeah, with our family, the conviction was that there were a lot of children in orphanages that didn't need to be there. And what we recognized is that a lot of these children had living parents and living relatives that would actually care for them if we came along and supported them. And that support looks like education for many of them. When the children are in school, then it frees up the grandma or the auntie or the mom or the dad or the grandpa or the neighbor to do things during the day while the kid is at school. In addition to that, it's a promising future for the children. Uh, To break the cycle of poverty, they have to be educated. There's no other option. And because school is not free in Uganda, that support alone is a catalyst for families to stay together forever. Gotcha. So then you pulled them, Exhope Missions had already started. Is that correct? Yes. Exhope Missions was doing um, a few things a year. We were doing diaper bags for babies who were placed in emergency foster care. And we were supporting families who were saying yes to foster care, doing meals or doing respite. In regards to the international program, that actually didn't happen until after our adoption in 2011. So then tell me how you got started with the local side of it, with Exhope Missions. The, the origin of that came out of what? The origin of our local program also came out of our own adoption experience. And so we got a call and took in a placement through kinship, which means it was a family member of mine. It was now our sixth kid. And so we were not ready. We were not prepared. We had nothing that we would need for a newborn baby with special needs coming home with a feeding tube. And had we not had a village around us of support and a community that came alongside us, we would not have been able to say yes to bring our son home, even though we felt really called to it. And what we noticed in that circumstance is in California and in our county, they're wanting so desperately to place children with family. They call it kinship. And a lot of times the family wants to say yes, but in those immediate situations, they're not prepared. And so what X-Hope wanted to do was be that community and be that village for families willing to say yes, provide the things they need immediately for the babies to come home. And then it ended up growing into teenage kids need things to come home to, elementary school kids need things to come home to. And so how can we wrap our arms around families willing to say yes, but just do not have all of the support? Adoption in general, fostering adoption, takes um, a sort of person that can kind of give up their own will, almost in a sense, take a risk, take, you know, they're, they're kind of throwing their heart out there to go, I'm stepping forward in this in faith. I really don't know where this is going. Um, and we've, you know, and I know both stories that go great, stories that go bad, and everything in between. And so, what was that like for you and your husband to go? Hey, let's really consider this. Like, let's let's do this kinship. Was there a question, or what? I mean, how did you guys wrestle with that? We wrestled. Wrestled is a is a perfect word. In fact, we were tapped out. We, my husband and I, um, thought it was too much for our family. We already had five kids. One was newly adopted from Ethiopia. He didn't speak English. He'd only been home about a year and a half. And he was a 12-year-old little boy. So everything in our home looked different. When we got that call for kinship placement, we were not expecting it. 
we wrestled, we prayed. And to be honest with you, our yes actually came from childlike faith. It came from a family meeting where we sat together with all of our children and all five of them said yes to that adoption. And so where we lacked faith, our kids did not. And for us, it was a revelation. It was a defining moment in our family where the Bible came to life, where it says, have childlike faith, because we wondered all of the what ifs and the hows, and it it wrecked us. We were so unsure, but our kids had so much faith to believe we could do it again. And so we did. And we're so grateful that we did. It's interesting how our kids see things in us that we just have a hard time seeing. Because that's a similar experience where you you wrestle with, as being an adult, you see all the contingencies and what it's going to take and maybe this and maybe that. Whereas a, a child is just like, this person needs a home and we have one and we have room. Why aren't we doing this? <laughs> so I wonder if that was kind of the sense that you got from your kids when you had that family meeting. It was for sure. They believed all the things that we wondered how we would make possible. You know, Jason came home with a feeding tube and possible cerebral palsy. And our oldest boys were very involved in competitive soccer. We traveled all over for their tournaments. And we sat down at that meeting and we were very honest with our kids. We said, these are all things that we have to take a break from. We have a special needs baby coming into this house with a feeding tube. I can't, as mommy, leave this baby without a certified nurse we will be homebound. And they all still wanted to do it, which to me, I think is the biggest miracle of all. I don't think I would have said yes to that at their age, but it had to have been a God moment for our family. And we received it as that, as husband and wife. If if there's this much grace and hope rising up in our kids, then we've got we've to try it. We've got to have the faith they have and go for it. And we're so glad we did. How did that propel you in your personal walk, um, maybe even your your family dynamic, and then pushing into X Hope? How did that move you guys forward, and like in what ways? You know, my husband and I met in college. I cheered on scholarship, and my husband played football, and we went to the University of Nevada Reno. Go Wolfpack! And you know, our marriage really was hopeless from the start. We were not believers yet. We were lost. We partied a lot. So think about the naughtiest athletes you know. That was us. And so we needed redemption in our own lives. When we had our first son, we were still in college. And when he was about a year and a half old, we were going to get a divorce. I came from a divorced family. Rick came from a divorced family. And he really pleaded. He said, please, can we not do to Colby what we've had to endure? And I don't think we should do this. I think we should really fight for our marriage. Can we try church? And what was amazing is he had some really incredible examples of Christian young men that played football with him, one being his quarterback. And we had a college campus, uh, university family fellowship was a college Christian campus where the pastor would come and play for, pray for the football players prior to their games. And he said, can we just try this church? And I said, Let's try it. And we went in and we listened to the first worship set and I sobbed and cried genuinely for the first time in my life felt like if this is true, if God loves us this much and that I can be forgiven for all of the things I've done up until now, I'm all in. 
And so that's when my salvation story began. And that's when everything flipped for Rick and I, where we decided to fully be surrendered and believe in the redemption of Jesus Christ. And I think because we were saved from so much that when we heard Neb's story and when we heard Jason's story, that they needed the opportunity to also be redeemed, that we could play a part in that and we knew what God had done for us, it felt like such an honor to say yes to that. And I heard this quote recently. It said, show me your redeemed life, and I'll believe in your Redeemer. And that was from Voltaire. He was like a French writer from the 1600s. But that is how we've lived our life. Because we have been saved from so much, and because our lives have been redeemed from just wreckage, we wanted to be able to give that same hope and that same opportunity of redemption to, to children. And we didn't want it to just stop in our home. And that is why X-Hope exists. It's so that kids that walk through this door at our X-Hope hub and kids that are in our children's home in Uganda have that same opportunity for redemption and for hope. When you see the life that you've come from, you know, whether good, bad, or indifferent, and you see the grace that God has bestowed on your life, on your marriage, on your kids, and you have the opportunity to um, bring someone else along that journey with you, and you have any part whatsoever in God's working through you, that is probably the greatest honor a person can have. It absolutely is. It's so life-changing. I can't imagine, I can't imagine not being able to share these stories. And I genuinely, it brings tears to my eyes. I speak all the time, you know that. And every time I get tears in my eyes when I tell the testimony of Nebu and the first time we met him and when he was hopeless and he was the last boy in the children's home because he was the oldest and it had filled out and it filled up and emptied out twice. And he was almost aging out to the point where he could not be adopted. And then God said to us, why are you praying for something that you can be the answer to? And we're like, oh my gosh, we are his parents. And we had a son his exact same age. So when we brought Neb home, we already had four biological kids. We actually thought the game was over. We even had a license plate that said game over. (laughs) And I'm glad it wasn't. We call ourselves the Cross Crew. And we're so beyond blessed with just our large, colorful, fun, vibrant family. We we know how to have a good time and we know the value of family and we love getting together and gathering with one another. Our oldest son is Nebu and he is married to a beautiful Ethiopian young lady um, and they just gave us our first Ethiopian grandbaby. Her name is Eliana. So I'm also a Jaja now. That's how you say grandma in Uganda. And then my 6'6 ginormous husband, the kids call him Grampsy. They made that up on their own. So my husband's Gramsci. Um, Our next is Colby and his wife, Madison. They're 25, and they have two babies, Cash and Haven. And then under them is Casey. He's 21. Cooper is next, and he's 19. Cammie is 15. And then Jason is our youngest, and he is 12. And so there is a large group of us that gather. We are a party of 13 when we go anywhere. (laughs) 